Dolby Anglican podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is part of a new series called Everyday Saints, which is going to focus on the lives of well-known Christian figures in the hope that it encourages you to take your role as an everyday saint, an everyday follower of Jesus. Enjoy the sermon. We're starting this week a new series called Everyday Saints, and hopefully you've picked up your, um, your study booklet uh, for the whole series. There you'll find Bible studies and readings and fi- family time activities um, and some prayers for you that you can do at home uh, for this whole series. But what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the lives of the saints through the lens of the Bible, um, which is a bit uh, foreign for me. Uh, so it's a bit of a bit of a um, experiment this morning. <laughs> so please pray for me as I pray for you and turn this microphone that is messing up off. Oh my goodness! Sorry. <laughs> May the words of my lips and the thoughts of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, friends, uh, as I said, today we're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, Normally, the preaching style that we have here at St. John's is called the expository, which is just a fancy word for saying that we read the Bible, then we do our best to explain it. Today's sermon is a topical sermon, and it's about Augustine of Hippo. As we go through this topical series, we're going to focus on the lives of the saints. Now, saint means holy one. But sadly, when we think of saints, we often think of superheroes. People like St. Augustine, St. Francis, St. Julian are remembered as sort of angelic figures who you might pray to if you lose your keys, but you'd never aspire to be anything like them. But this was exactly the reason Christians began sharing the stories of the saints. They shared the accounts of how ordinary Christians had been used in extraordinary ways by our extraordinary God. As we go through this preaching series, we're going to look at the lives of the saints through the lens of the Bible. And as we do, we'll see that God actually calls you and I to be saints. In 1 Peter 2, uh, 4, um, Lexi just read, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God is calling each one of us to be living stones, everyday saints, building one another up and helping one another live for God. So today we're going to be looking at the life of one of those stones, one of those everyday saints, Augustine of Hippo. I think we're paying, my technology is really playing with me today. Augustine of Hippo. Now when you think of a saint, you might think of a gentle person raised as a Christian from birth who never committed flashy sins or held any heretical views. Augustine was the exact opposite of this. He was a selfish ratbag who rejected his mum's Christian faith, 
had a baby with his live-in girlfriend, but refused to marry her because it would lower his status. And he spent 33 years of his life teaching anti-Christian beliefs. He joked that if Christianity were true, he wouldn't convert until he died. His most famous prayer was a pickup line that he used on girls. And, yeah, we really... He, he would pray, Lord, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. <laughs> See? Yeah. And go up to girls. Imagine that in a, in a bar. <laughs> Lord, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. <laughs> Thankfully, Augustine's mum and her God never gave up on him. When he was in his 30s, he met his intellectual match, as we saw in the kids' video. His name was Ambrose of Milan. He was a short and tubby little bishop, but he challenged Augustine about the reality of good and evil. Then one day when Augustine was walking in his mum's garden, he heard a child's voice saying, take up and read. He took this as a sign from God, and he picked up the closest book to hand, which was his mum's Bible, and he read from Romans 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh." What a strange passage for Augustine to to take up and read. But rather than make fun of this passage, Augustine's heart was changed forever, and he devoted his life to God. He quickly applied his brilliant mind to writing theology. In fact, his teaching was so helpful that one day the people in his church surrounded him, took him to the front, and made him their priest. Two years later, they did the same thing and made him their bishop, even though Augustine didn't want to be a leader. Today, Augustine's works still influence the way we think about God, good and evil, and life. Non-Christian philosophy courses still teach his ideas today. So what can regular people like you and me learn from Augustine? Well, the first thing I learned is that no one is too smart for God. Augustine was a genius, but only the love of Jesus could satisfy his mind. In our gospel reading today, we see an expert in the law come up to Jesus and ask him which law of the whole Bible is the best. Now, he's doing this not because he doesn't have an answer. He's doing this to try and test Jesus or even to trick him. And Jesus responds by taking him to school on the law. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This expert in the law is just wowed by Jesus' intellect. Jesus takes this expert to school and shows him a better way. Today, even some Christians think of Christianity as an anti-intellectual religion. I was speaking to someone the other day who said that they didn't believe in God because faith didn't make intellectual sense. Unfortunately, this had more to do with the fact that they'd been coached from a very early age to reject God 
But this is a widely held belief. Oh, that person could never become a Christian. They're too smart. Wise saints like Augustine, John Calvin, and scientists today who believe in Jesus, who are saints, John Lennox and Rosalind Picard, are proof that you don't need to check your brain at the door in order to follow Jesus. No one is too smart for the maker of the universe. And a humble and sincere search for answers will always lead us back to God. No one is too smart for God. The next thing I learned from the life of Augustine is that we're all a mixture of sinners and saints. Augustine is often credited with the idea of original sin, an understanding that we're all born broken people on their most honest day of living. Many think Augustine had too negative a view of human nature. But funnily enough, he was just teaching what he found in the Bible. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Sorry. Psalm 51 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. And Genesis 8.21 says, The intent of a man's heart is evil from his youth. As a father of two small boys, I get to experience original sin every day before breakfast. Don't hit your brother. Don't steal your brother's breakfast. For the hundredth time, stop drawing on the TV. Now, these are all soft examples, but it's strange how you don't need to teach kids how to do the wrong thing. They do it all by themselves. We're born into a world that is somehow broken, and that brokenness somehow springs up from within us. Thankfully, when we appreciate original sin, we can start to heal and live better. Augustine wrote, The confession of evil works is the beginning of good works. When we admit to ourselves that we're sinners in in need of a saviour, we can begin to heal. But if we try to justify ourselves and deny our sinfulness, we'll be in a constant state of tension. 1 Peter 2, which Lexi again read, Um, at the beginning, says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Augustine's concept of original sin didn't just say that we were wicked and that there was no hope for us. Instead, he said that If we can recognize that something is broken within us, then we can begin to start fixing it. We're all fallen people, but when we admit this to God, he can make us saints. The third thing Augustine reminds us is that we all need God's grace right now. Augustine wrote, Take care of your body as if you were going to live forever. Take care of your soul as if you were going to die tomorrow. While he joked in his younger years that a deathbed confession was the best way to maximize pleasure, he discovered a better way, the way of grace. Augustine spent some time as a Manichaean, a religion that believed in total separation between good and evil. Good people, the Manichaeans taught, taught that through their good actions, they could separate themselves from the plebs and reach heaven by being good. 
slowly Augustine realized that no one is purely good or purely evil. And since we're all a mixture of good and bad, we all need God's grace. Augustine began to grasp what Jesus means when he says in John 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we're all a mixture of sinner and saint, then we all need forgiveness. To be forgiven by someone, you need to know them, and they need to know you. Grace can't be won through effort. Grace is only available through Jesus. Avoiding Jesus until you die is the worst way to get to know him, and you may lose your opportunity. A few years after Augustine was baptized, his mother Monica died. And then shortly after that, his only son, at the age of only 16. While Augustine might have given up on life, instead he doubled down on God's grace. He gave his wealth away to those in need, and he kept only his family home, which he converted into a Christian community for him and his fellow saints. Augustine found that living for Jesus, living by God's grace, and leaving life's rat race behind was more fulfilling than living for himself. He found true friendship, love, and grace in the arms of God and his church. Friends, we all need God's grace. We're kidding ourselves if we think that life without God is better than with him. Augustine had everything but he gave it all away for Jesus. Augustine teaches us that we all need God's grace. So how are we meant to live in light of this? Well, for me, looking at Augustine's life is a reminder that I need to cut people some slack. Shortly after becoming a priest, Augustine debated a breakaway church called the Donatists. The Donatists were Christians who had fallen away, who had not fallen away during Roman persecution. They taught that Christian leaders who had fallen away during the persecution and denied their faith should not be allowed back into church. Augustine taught against this, pointing out that the Bible recognizes that we're all evil, but we're all objects of God's forgiveness and love at the same time. The church isn't a community of perfect people. It's a community of people who love Jesus. Augustine won the debate with the Donatists, and lapsed Christians were allowed back into the church. Friends, God is building his church out of people who are sinners and saints at the same time. My boys aren't just original sinners. They're objects of God's love and forgiveness, just like me. So let's not give up on each other. Augustine's mum, Monica, never gave up on her son. While he slept around, trashed her faith, and never looked like he would become a Christian, God had other plans. Let's keep praying for our non-Christian friends that they might come to know Jesus. Let's pray for our lapsed Christian friends, people who used to come to church but don't anymore. Let's pray that they would come back. Let's cut people some slack, knowing that God has done the same for us. The next 
controversy Augustine faced was with a British monk called Pelagius who rejected the idea of original sin. He taught that people must simply make up their own minds to do the will of God. We have no need for God's grace, he said, because we either choose good or we choose evil. And good people, born good from the beginning, will be rewarded. And bad people will be found wanting. Now this sort of thinking might sound good, but it makes our relationship with God transactional rather than personal. I do this, you give me that. I can earn God's love, but I just need to rely on my own merit. Realizing, however, that I'm born into a world infected by sin from the beginning, and that I'm in need of God's grace from the start, allows me to extend grace to others. I learned this the hard way last year. About this time last year, I started to get particularly angry with my wife Zoe. Whenever she did something I didn't like, I'd dig up in my mind all the things that had upset me in the past. This really worried me because I realized that we'd been married for eight years, so there was a lot to be, there was a lot to dig up in my mind. And I realized that the longer that we were married, the more I'd have to be angry about. Thankfully, the Bible and the example of godly saints like Augustine helped me to realize that God had much more to be angry with me about, but he forgives me instead. This humbled me and gave me enough headspace to realize that Zoe has a lot more to be angry with me about than I do about her. And yet, like God, she extends grace to me every single day. Slowly, that built-up anger began to melt away, and I was able to get on with my life and extend grace to Zoe and to others. When we live trusting in our own righteousness, there is no room for grace. When we confess to ourselves and to God that we need forgiveness and grace, we allow ourselves to extend grace to others. Grace doesn't, allow, doesn't mean allowing injustice. Grace is remembering forgiveness in the face of that injustice so that we can have clarity to deal with the issue at hand and extend grace to others. The final application I want to offer you is that when we live by the example of Jesus and by the example of Augustine, we can pursue a life of holiness. And we find that a life of holiness is a life of freedom. It's tempting to think that a life lived for Jesus is about restrictions and drudgery. I have to go to church. I have to volunteer. I have to give money. I have to read my Bible and pray because that's what Christians have to do. Jesus showed Augustine that a life of holiness, God's calling to be holy, is actually the most liberating and wonderful life you could ever live. Augustine tried looking for fulfillment in sex, in power, in knowledge, and in money. But he gave all of these things away to follow Christ. Looking inward to find meaning and purpose in life made Augustine a selfish and proud person. But looking outward to Jesus Christ 
gave him life in abundance. Friends, God doesn't want to restrict you. He wants to set you free. 1 Peter 2 says, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. That word rid means to put away, to free yourselves, to get out of things that make your life miserable. Yes, we're told again and again in our world today that living for yourself is the most fulfilling way to go. But the lives of Augustine and all the saints put that lie to bed. Jesus sets us free from the sin that entangles us and makes us saints. People finally free enough to be the people that God has created us to be. So friends, let's embrace our call to holiness. Let's rid ourselves of malice, hypocrisy, and slander of every kind. And let's embrace our call to be everyday saints today. I'm going to leave you with the words of Augustine. He started by praying that horrible prayer, Lord, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. And he finished with this. He said, Our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they find their rest in you. May we find our rest in God, like Augustine. Amen.